Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. On our 45th episode, we are briefly revisiting the COVID-19 public health emergency to discuss disparities in outcomes, that meaning hospitalizations and deaths, and what we're learning about long COVID, which are those conditions that people experience for weeks or even months after recovery from COVID. First, I've got some really good news. Uh, Deaths from COVID-19 nationally are down from 3,500 a day at the beginning of the year to about 75 per day. Now, 75 is still a lot, but that's a big change in a much better direction. Now, what we know nationally from peer-reviewed literature, but are now documenting in Arkansas, is the disparate impact of COVID-19 on minority populations. In our analysis of Arkansas data with support from the Arkansas Department of Health and funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, we found that Black and Pacific Islander populations, and we have a large Marshall Islander population in Northwest Arkansas, experienced higher hospitalization rates from COVID, and Pacific Islanders in particular were more than twice as likely to die from COVID than any other population. Now, there is an emerging consensus in the literature that there are clusters of long COVID illnesses that may be respiratory in nature, cognitive, fatigue-oriented, cardiometabolic, that's a big word, so think hypertension and diabetes, and cardiovascular, which we're going to talk about in more detail today. Because what we're finding, and this is just a small preview of our analysis, is that for people who had these types of conditions and had COVID, their conditions worsened as evidenced by more visits to the doctor and higher costs related to those conditions after their infection. Now, I enjoy how the data can talk to me, but it's even better to hear from someone on the front lines about their experience. And that's why I'm excited to have Dr. Anthony Fletcher join us today. A cardiologist at CHI St. Vincent, Dr. Fletcher has been serving patients for more than 30 years. He attended Xavier University for undergraduate studies and graduated from medical school at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine, thereafter completing an internship at George Washington University and a fellowship at Georgetown. He was named National Physician of the Year by the American Heart Association in 2007, and I first met him when he served as chairman of the board for the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. Thanks so much, Dr. Fletcher, for joining us and welcome to the show. Mr. Wilson, it's a pleasure and thank you for this opportunity. I'm I'm really excited about this, but before we get into the serious stuff, you got to tell me what keeps you busy when you're not working. I love gardening. Uh, I've pretty much done most of the landscaping at my house. and That's where I saw you last. (laughs) People tell me I have a great thumb. I love music. I don't play any instruments per se, but I love to listen to music. Uh, physical fitness is a hobby. I mean, it's a lifestyle and a hobby. So I, I work out on a routine basis. 
love to travel and just love to know what we're doing today, helping people and, and sharing ideas and thoughts. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So I asked this of all of our wonky guests, what would you say is your theme song? You know, yeah, it's uh, a great song. When she asked me that question earlier, I started laughing, but it's a song by McFadden and Whitehead, 1979. It was entitled Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Oh, yeah. That's a great thing. for exams, and I had really prepared very well, and that was my theme song as I left my dorm room heading down to take my exam, and I did super well on that exam. <laughs> that's been my theme song ever since. Music to pump you up, right? Absolutely. I, I drove that hard in my room. My neighbors were saying, what are you doing? I'm just sniper that music. I could not have identified uh, the 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 singers of that song uh, by any means, but I definitely know it. Well, that's why when she when you said that question, what is your thought? I said, oh, I got that. She, I didn't even think about it. It's it's on my playlist, by the way. It's right here. Of course, yeah. You got to keep it nearby. That's right. All right. So, um, in my intro, I, I briefly mentioned the disparities in outcomes. Uh, that we're seeing in our COVID assessment. Does that reflect what you saw during the pandemic? Unfortunately, it does. Uh, you know, as I walked the hallways of the hospital and I got phone calls from patients and patient families, we noticed that there was a marked disparity in the number of people of color, Yeah, uh, both Afro-Americans and Hispanics. We don't have many Allen Pacificers here in the Little Rock area, but we saw a tremendous disparity in the number of people who were critically ill, and fortunately, the number of people who succumbed to the illness. Also, as I reflect back through our patient population of a lot of our chronically ill people with cardiomyopathies and heart failure, unfortunately, many of them survived multiple hospitalizations before COVID with their heart failure, and they succumbed when yeah. uh, they were afflicted with COVID. Wow. So... From a cardiologist's perspective, this is something I do not know. How does COVID affect the heart in a, in a clinical way? Well, you know, COVID initially uh, was was discussed as a initially a primary pulmonary problem. You know, people had lung lung issues with, with pneumonia and respiratory failure. But the second system that COVID affected was the cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the COVID virus in terms of how it affects receptors on the heart. And it sort of deactivates those receptors and downregulates those, not to get technical, but that makes the heart more vulnerable, okay. more susceptible to illness. It takes away some of its protective mechanisms. It enhanced inflammatory processes, which play a role in the development of, of um, myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle. It yep. played a role in rupture of plaques because inflammation kind of takes those plaques out of stable uh, environments and makes those plaques more vulnerable to rupture. And as a result of that, you get acute events, myocardial infarctions, unstable angina. It also made the blood a little bit more viscous, more likely to clot. Mm. So we saw people present with acute episodes for, with thrombosis of arteries to the heart. We saw more issues with stroke because of mm -hmm. the and thrombotic events. And we also saw more blood clots, more 
clots in the legs we call DVT and more pulmonary emboli. These were all directly related to the uh, impact, the physiological changes that the COVID virus would induce. Wow. I, I did not know any of that. That's interesting. Okay. Particularly the blood clot stuff. That's uh, absolutely. We, we saw a lot more individuals with pulmonary emboli and deep vein thrombosis that was directly associated with COVID. Hmm. And then, you know, part of the treatment of COVID was anticoagulation. You know, after you got into all the antivirals and support mechanisms, they were all routinely on protocols for anticoagulation. Okay. Okay. So early in the pandemic, there were um, some studies that suggested that COVID-19 survivors experienced some heart damage, even if they didn't have underlying heart disease and weren't sick enough to be hospitalized. Is that something that you saw as well? And that's quite true. It actually just goes back to what we talked about, by the mechanisms by which the COVID virus affected the cardiovascular system. So it didn't discriminate as to whether or not you had pre-existing conditions or you know, uh, good health. If you had those inflammatory mechanisms that increase propensity to clot, the potential for inflammation of the myocardial cells causing myocarditis or heart failure, you circane to those entities, whether or not you had pre-existing heart disease or not. The part in terms of where pre-existing conditions played a role was that it exacerbated what you already had. And right. all of that, you know, perhaps you had more mortality and more suffering as a result of the fact that you already had uh, compromised systems to begin with. Yeah. So I, I would like to say we're out of the pandemic, but I, 75 deaths per day is still still pretty high uh, for a respiratory, uh, what, what was originally a respiratory illness. Um, but we're now beginning to look at, at long COVID. So my question of you is, are you seeing any impacts of quote unquote long COVID in the cardiac space? And are there some populations that are differentially impacted? Well, long COVID certainly is alive and well. I think sometimes we have a, a difficult time determining whether or not it's COVID related or it's just the natural pathology that, that people had as underlying illnesses. But we still have people, for instance, who have decreased stamina. You know, they're they're not back to their routine of their aerobic capacities. They can't exercise as much. They don't feel as good. We see a lot of people with chronic coughing, you know, as a result of, of that. And then obviously, if you had um, cardiac manifestations, if you developed heart failure as a result of your COVID, or if you had significant uh, myocardial damage as a result of the myocarditis, that can often lead to a chronic problem because now you have scar tissue in your heart, for example, and therefore you have heart failure. Or if you had a myocardial infarction as a result of that inflammatory process, that hypercoagulable state, you had an infarct, well, now perhaps you have damage done as a result of that infarct. Uh, many people develop scar tissue, and as a result of that, they have arrhythmias. Uh, they could have gone into atrial fibrillation, for example, which may have been uh, uh, transient, or sometimes because of the permanent damage, now they have atrial fibrillation. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, myocardial damage can lead to uh, ventricular arrhythmias. And so some people, again, as a result, have per- prolonged um, incapacities or decapacitation as a result of their, their COVID infliction and the results of damage to their heart. Hmm. Okay. So we're going to be dealing with this for a long time. We are. And, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, COVID is not, is not gone. I mean, right. people admit uh, daily still with COVID. 
I was speaking with a coworker and we were kind of talking about uh, their child having an, an illness and I thought it was just an ear infection. Turned out, I actually heard this morning, that it turned out to be COVID. Uh-huh. Uh, and so COVID is alive and well, and I think we still all have to be somewhat cautious, although we've gotten back to a lot of the mainstream of life, but I think yeah. we still need to be cognizant that, that COVID is still out there and we're still all potentially uh, susceptible. Again, underline the importance of vaccination. Right. When they become available, uh, we all still need to be on our, our toes and participate in the program should the next booster wave come about. But you are you are you set me up for a perfect transition then to the to the next <laughs> question. And me well to keep you on tab. Right. <laughs> so so uh, we move outside of the COVID space for for a minute. What um what are some of the emerging challenges in the practice of cardiology that you can share and and, and this can be from kind of any perspective, from a clinical, from a healthcare system, or or a patient standpoint. What are some of the things that you're seeing that are emerging challenges? Well, I think the biggest challenge right now is personnel. You know, mm-hmm. as a result of COVID, uh, we developed a tremendous nursing uh, shortage. Uh, some nurses were at retirement age and they decided they didn't want to be in that environment, so they retired. So we lost nurses there. Because of the increased demand on the healthcare system, a lot of big cities, for example, like New York, had a great tremendous cry for nursing. So we started this enhanced traveler program. So nurses yeah. had the opportunity to go to New York City and make tremendous amounts of money uh, to fill those spots. And so it drained on the, the prevalence of nursing here in, in the Little Rock area. Uh, a lot of people, again, uh, just decided that they wanted to go home and take care of family members and and, and be with loved ones. And so again, so the biggest challenge right now is, is staffing and we're still suffering from staffing. And it didn't just hit nursing, it hit respiratory therapists, it yeah. hit interns, it hit uh, food service workers. Uh, so, and not just in medicine, trucking. I mean, everywhere you put, yeah. everybody's hiring. And so again, I think we're still suffering from that. We have not quite gotten back to uh, where we were pre-COVID. Yeah, it, it, Although it kind of opened up the the uh, opportunities for, particularly for nursing, you know, a, not not only are you just competing with the hospital down the street, but you're competing with with physician clinics and with nursing homes, and now you're competing with people out of state, you know, who can pay much higher rates. Absolutely, no question, and that has impacted the bottom line. I mean, all of the the um, uh, budgets for our hospitals and hospital yeah. systems are challenged uh, to keep up with this demand for increasing uh, labor cost, and, yeah. and it's affecting the ability to buy new equipment, for example. Uh, so there are a lot of impacts of COVID. I mean, we, we'll be recovering from this for quite some time. Yeah. So let's flip the coin to a more more positive space. What are some of the promising things that you're seeing in the cardiology space? Well, I, I think the promising thing is that as a result of the education that COVID provided us about underserved populations and the disparity of care. Many of us have known this for years. Yeah. Uh, when you look at congestive heart failure, for example, hypertension, obesity, diabetes, it's disproportionately distributed among underserved populations. A lot of it has to do with the social economics of, of life uh, in, in the inner city, life in the rural areas. But COVID bought to light the fact that these conditions are more prominent and more prevalent in underserved populations. And that's why the mortality statistics were skewed more 
in those underserved populations because they had more pre-existing conditions. You're much more likely to uh, have more of a morbid course or a, 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 a course requiring much more care if you had underlying conditions such as hypertension, asthma, COPD, diabetes, renal failure, heart failure. Those individuals, if they got COVID, were much more likely to be sicker and they were much more likely to die. And when we looked at those numbers and we said, hey, the Afro-American population, the Hispanic population, our Pacific population seemed to have a higher percentage of deaths, it was all correlated to some degree with these coexisting conditions. But why do we have these coexisting conditions? And yeah. so that started to show us more about the disparities of care, of care. And so I think that's one positive thing, that there's more light that's been shed on that and perhaps we'll focus more on that in terms of trying to eradicate the conditions which make these populations more at risk. It's not a genetic issue. It's all about social economics. Right. You know, one little quick corollary, you know, there's a difference in mortality based on the zip code that you were born in and where you live. You know, upper Northwest Arkansas versus the Delta, the number is tremendous. That number is horrendous. And it's it's not inexcusable to be in a country where where you live makes a difference with how long you live. Yeah. Yeah, it, now now the test is going to be whether or not we have the courage to actually do something about it, right? Well, I think we have the courage again. This podcast is an example of how we have the courage. You know, we're discussing this. We did not have this conversation before. It's been discussed and talked about. We yeah. had this conversation many times at the ACOT committee meetings. But essentially, it's there. And I think the legislators are looking at it. And again, unfortunately, sometimes things go in waves. So we want to make progress while it's a hot topic. Exactly. I love how you put that. All right. Final question for you. What is a piece of advice that you would give to someone wanting to pursue a career just like you have in cardiology? Man, it's the best career you could ever, ever do. And I'll say this. I'll tell you a little joke here. Many, many years ago when my daughter was a young lady, young infant, she came up to me and she said, Daddy, do you know Michael Jordan? I said, yeah, I know about Michael Jordan. She said, Michael Jordan scored 50 points. Can you score 50 points? I said, no. I can't score 50 points. Even when I play ball, I never scored that much. Uh, can you jump as high and dunk a basketball? Nope, can't jump basketball. Say, so when you come into a room, the people will come and get your autograph. I said, I'm not really. That doesn't happen to me. I said, but I tell you what, I can do something that Michael Jordan can't do. I said, I can save a life. And she looked at me and she said, hmm, I can't wait to go back to school to tell him my daddy can do something that Michael Jordan can't do. So again, I use that story to say that medicine is probably the best profession that I could have chosen because it allows you to impact people's lives. It allows you to make a change. It allows you to, to perhaps enhance somebody's ability to enjoy life and enjoy their family. And that, that can't be measured in dollars and cents. I mean, there are many people who make much, much more money than physicians, contrary to popular belief. But uh, you get a joy when someone hugs you and says, thank you for saving my life, or thank you for the care you gave to my mother and father, or thank you for your kindness. And that's just, you can't describe that. Yeah. And it's just a challenging field. Uh, it's exciting. It's growing. The, the new technology, the new pharmacology, it's just tremendous. You, you couldn't ask for a better career if that's what you'd like to do. So I would encourage young people to pursue careers in medicine. Uh, you don't always have to be a physician. There are many aspects of medicine that you can participate in, but by far, I think it's the best profession you can ever choose. Great, great advice. And and nice to reference Michael Jordan always on a podcast. All right. Wait, I want him to return in favor one day. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It is always a pleasure 
talking with you, Dr. Fletcher, and thank oh, you for that. Absolutely. And we look forward to, uh, to, to seeing this all come together. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, the views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.